Hello and welcome to episode 35 of ConfT with ERSC, recorded Thursday, June 25th, 2020. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco certified partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young. I'm here with my awesome co-host, Brian Boyd. How you doing, sir? Doing well, Brian. We got a good one today. I think so, man. This is this is by far one of the one of the most fun uh, episodes that I've uh, had a chance to prep for, and of course record. Uh, we had the great opportunity to speak with Susie Wee. She is the senior vice president and general manager of DevNet and our CX ecosystem success platform. Um, which, of course, we're going to find out what all of that means in a little bit. But she was uh, just the, one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. I mean, she was just so cool. What did you think, Brian? That was. Just a lot of fun. Yeah, same opinion. She is very good at talking, which makes sense. So, uh, no, great episode ahead. We won't keep you guys waiting anymore. Here is episode 35 with Susie Wee. All right, we are here with Susie Wee. Susie, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. So, Susie, when we were uh, kind of researching you to uh, to come on the episode here and 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 talk with us, um, your pr- uh, professional history coming up into this role is just outstanding, just amazing, I- incredible. And I was hoping you could kind of uh, give us a little bit of background and tell our audience here what uh, what you've done and a little bit about yourself uh, coming into the role uh, at Cisco. Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, I guess I have kind of a geek background. So if you go and you look me up a little bit, then that's where it comes from. Uh, just, you know, starting out, my parents came from Korea to the United States. I was born in uh, Western New York, a small town called Batavia, New York, just uh, out in between Buffalo and Rochester. Um, as I grew up there, then, uh, you know, I was interested in, you know, technology, like I eventually got into computers, right, which was really cool. And, uh, and that was always fun. Uh, when I got to college. So I actually went to MIT. And I, you know, I was really fortunate to go from small town to, you know, just tech heaven, right, to have uh, so many uh, different people around from all over the world. And it really exposed me to a bunch more things. While I was Mm -hmm. there, uh, I loved uh, signal processing. And I was uh, majored in electrical engineering, computer science, I stayed for my bachelor's, master's, PhD. Um, It was not easy for me just so you know, while I was there is I kind of geeked out and made my way through, but it was not easy. Um, especially I didn't have the full education that some people have getting in there. Um, I, you know, but you know, the main thing is that you team up with the people around you and you struggle through it together and you get by and you learn everything that you need and, and you figure it out as you go. And, uh, in addition to, Uh, As I was working on my thesis, then the things that I enjoyed doing was it was on HDTV. So uh, it was, I'm going to date myself. So I was in college from 86 to 1996. So a long time ago. If you put yourself in the 1990s, actually, it's just right after Cisco was founded. But I started working on how do you send video over the internet, right? So how Mm -hmm. do you take video, compress it, send it over the internet? in uh, working on creating the HDTV standard, which was absolutely ridiculous at the time, because if you think about networks back in 1986, 1996, they couldn't do a lot, right? So you're sending little postage size videos and the thought that you could send a real time video stream you know, or even audio stream at that time was pretty, pretty ridiculous. But we were working on uh, technologies to compress the video, send them over networks and everything there. Um, so a lot of fun pushing the envelope on what we could do. People told us with HDTV, like nobody wants, no one's going to want to watch that. They actually thought you couldn't see the difference in HDTV versus regular TV. Um, and the reason, and you couldn't then because there were no HDTVs. You know, we were talking about a technology that was going to happen, but, you know, displays weren't really high enough resolution to see a difference, but we knew it would come. And certainly Mm -hmm. it it came. Um, After college uh, and graduate school, I uh, went, moved out to California, started working at uh, HP. So at HP Labs, I was in the research lab. So pushing video technologies, video networking, video compression, video transcoding, playing around with video streams to compress, you know, an HDTV stream down to a portable mobile video uh, stream. Uh, worked on that for a while, made my way up. I ended up managing the mobile and media systems lab. So multimedia technologies, networking technologies, security technologies. 
Uh, and then I made my way into the business and I was a CTO for the first time. And I ran uh, also Cisco's, uh, sorry, HP's uh, software business uh, for their PCs. Uh, and then I came over to Cisco. So, uh, you know, then, you know, I made my way over to Cisco. I came in first as the CTO for collaboration, uh, you know, because of my multimedia background and everything there. And right. a few years after that, I started DevNet. So I moved up and I uh, started working on Cisco's developer program. So that was six years ago. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous at the time. Everyone's like, Cisco has tried to create a developer program so many times before and has always failed. Good luck. Uh, but, you know, it was like, well, we're trying well, again. you up? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty well known that we kept failing at it. So it's no right. history. It's no, you know, and we know it's really hard to build something net new, like a developer right. program or anything for a company. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, love innovation. I understand the risks of innovation and I love the challenges of innovation and of transforming industries. And we said, you know, uh, the network is going to become programmable. Six years ago, mm -hmm. it wasn't yet. You know, it was just, you know, there was the talk of SDN, software-defined networking that was supposed to commoditize Cisco and vendors like Cisco. And I was like, I don't think they're defining it quite right. Because back then it was mm. open flow, right? So they said, you know, software-defined networking is open flow and the network will become dumb and, you know, all of this. Um, but it's like, well, you know, we know a lot of networkers around the world and that's not fully their problem. You know, people need mm. things like automation. People need to know where their devices are. They need to know how to flexibly deploy. They need to put applications on top. It was much more than... Open flow. Um, so we took a broader view and then we, uh, you know, started DevNet. Um, it was an experiment and it's grown into what it is today. So we're pretty excited about how far it's come. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot there. Um, it's pretty cool. We're talking to someone that worked on the technology that, you know, is the backbone of like YouTube and I don't know, <laughs> Netflix, <laughs> HTTP right? streaming. It's pretty crazy. Um, but yes. Susie, we um we actually did read your very short Wikipedia page. First of all, really cool that you have one. Um, <laughs> but it looks like you did some work on some IEEE standards. Is that true? And if so, what was that like? That's right. So uh, so basically, uh, yeah, a few things. So first of all, uh, I'm an IEEE fellow, so I was kind of lucky to be uh, you know make my way up to be an IEEE fellow, and that was for contributions in multimedia technologies. So uh, those things about, you know, how to compress video, how to stream video, uh, how to transcode video, how to securely encrypt, encode, and transcode video without decrypting it in a network. These are the types of technologies that I was developing in the first, you know, number of years in my career. And I was geeking out, presenting at technology conferences, you know, coding up new algorithms, inventing them, and, you know, various things along those ways. So, um that was all work I did a lot with uh, the IEEE, you know, communities that are out there, the professional research community and everything there. Um, and then also working with some of the standardization efforts. So there is uh, JPEG, MPEG, you know, these are all standards that you know, uh, created something called JPSEC, uh, which is a security standard um, around JPEG. The idea there um, was that, you know, once again, you can have images of all different resolutions and qualities. Um, if you want to be able to encrypt, you know, an image or video, and then you want to send it across a stream, and then you need to be able to decrypt it, uh, or sorry, change it to a lower resolution. You know, this is what we do all the time with, with WebEx, right? We're sending out video streams. Some people get a high quality stream. Some get a lower quality stream, depending on what their network connection is. Um, we had a way to basically encrypt and encode uh, video and images in a way that would allow them to be uh, shifted between different sizes without decrypting them. So, uh, so that was the JPSEC standard that was developed. That didn't take off in its exact form, but the idea of using secure scalable streaming and encrypting video and being able to change it in a network is something that is very much used today, uh, every day in the technologies we're yeah. even using right now. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly makes sense that uh, Cisco would want you uh, for the CTO of the, the collaboration division. Really cool stuff. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So, and you've, you've talked a little bit about DevNet and of course that's primarily the focus uh, of, of today's episode, but I did want to talk to you about the other 
portion of your role here with the the ecosystem success around CX. Uh, can you tell us how the CX ecosystem success portion of your role here at Cisco uh, works and and what that actually means to Cisco, um, you know, SEs as as well as, uh, as sellers here and and of course our customers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's what's really interesting is. I've been on the uh, product side and the engineering side for a long, long time. And the way that we've kind of thought about uh, our customers and our users and, you know, uh, the users of our products who, you know, the individuals who work at partners, who work for customers, even our own SEs, you know, our whole kind of audience is that uh, the technology has changed, right? So there's a new set of technology in town uh, to be successful with it. You know, the way that you do networking today is different from the way that you did it six years ago, or it could be different because we have software in the OS, you know, we have iOS XE, we have different um, programmability in our operating systems, we have controllers, we have uh, devices that can give telemetry, you can start to get analytics and insights across all of that, you can use policy to be able to control your network, you could actually use policy to change how you know, the things you connect to the network, the people, the devices, all of these things can change. You can change how you have business applications integrate and use the network because you could use the security within the network in different ways. Um, so all of those changes means that the people who use our stuff need a new skill set. <laughs> so they need a right. new technology. They need a new skill set and everything there. And so if you think about, I'm going to repl- relate this back to the customer experience problem is for customers to be successful with our products and with our technology, you know, we need to worry about how they use it, right? What they, how can they adopt it, right? And we know that we have a new technology and people don't always want to use the new technology. And that actually hurts how people will adopt, you know, our products. It actually hurts how people can get the full value of everything that we're building into our products, Um, So for them to get the full value and for our customers, you know, to adopt it and get benefit from everything Cisco is building, you know, and all the new technologies that exist, our users need to learn something new. They need to they need to change. They need to grow and they need to evolve. Um, So while I was in the engineering side, what I would say is, okay, we've built up this product. We'll do everything we can, you know, with uh, with Cisco learning, with DevNet to teach them everything that they need to know. And we hope that they'll adopt it and use it. We'll hope, we'll hope, we'll hope. Uh, I've moved into CX about uh, six months ago or seven months ago. And now I've actually opened up a new vo- viewpoint in addition to what I thought before. Because now I say, oh, and we can help them use it. <laughs> we can help them be successful with it. So it's not you know, just kind of throwing it over the fence, teaching them, giving them all the tools to learn. That is all still really important but also we can help them, right? And uh, so it's actually what we've been doing together with our SEs because our SEs have been working with our customers, right? You work with our customers, you work with our partners, you help them to get over everything that they do. Um, You know, and if you go back to, you know, even the first CCIEs, you know, when we first started CCIEs and people were learning to do networking, CCIEs and Cisco learned together with our customers. They didn't just, you know, let's figure out how to do this together. Right. So now we're in a new world where we've changed the, we've changed things, right? There's a whole new set of technologies available. We need to work really closely with our customers again to teach them, how do I use this, right? How do I build my new mission critical network that is fully using telemetry and analytics and insights and automation and tying business applications to handle uh, to, to the infrastructure, to handle cloud and all of these areas. And we get to do that engaging with our customers in different ways. And it can be Cisco, like CX, um, helping our customers. It can be our partners helping our customers. What it recommend what what we just do is we just really get to help our customers all the way, and so uh, what we're doing is furthering our customer experience strategy uh, to really you know be more about how we help our customers to get all the way through it, um, including the technical part, which our SEs right. have been doing every day, but adding even more because right now I'd say the SEs are helping our customers through heroics. Right. Okay, we're going to help you with this, um, but to really kind of build out even further, 
a CX practice that helps with, you know, kind of the right side of the racetrack, right? After someone has some right. of the technology, how can they continue to be successful with it? And, mm-hmm. um, and that's really key. Yeah, we've we've talked about the CX racetrack uh, a couple times here. We even had an episode dedicated to CX uh, and really breaking down the various parts of it. Um, because I think, especially as we're introducing more uh, complex and more helpful tools to our customers, if they're not adopting it and it just becomes shelfware, then there's no value add there. So as much as we can try to help, and it, I'm glad to see this because you know, you mentioned the heroics part. There's many times when when Brian and I get called in to to fix something, you know, and, and our role doesn't necessarily really uh, allow us to to help too much in a post sales environment, right? We're we're pre sales, so as much as we can, we can at least guide them and help them. But to be able to have the the back end support and in, in the um, not just the back end support, like okay, we'll hope that they get there, but if they don't, then they can call us. But the preemptive kind of let's get ahead of this and help them adopt so that it's a better experience overall. I think uh, I think that's vital. Exactly, and that's that's like right on, you know. And I know it feels funny as we're getting there, but the way you said it exactly is what the need is, right? So you know how far an SE can go and where our customers are and what more what additional help they need in a structured right. way. So uh, so kind of by bringing you know DevNet and CX, you know, together to serve our customers is a really, you know, interesting, very, you know, interesting play. Uh, It's a little messy as we figure it out, you know, so as we know, going into a new motion, adding new people into new roles and like, you know, we, we need to help our customers, but we're working on it, right? So the idea would be how can we get in there and provide more help so that, you know, SEs can continue to, you know, help our customers and, you know, how can we, uh, you know, continue, continue to have or even introduce new offers and folks to help out in the right ways. Again, given that the technology has changed, right? It's a whole yep. new thing and there's a whole new opportunity and customers aren't fully using the technology in the way that they could, right? We're in a new right. place with the programmability and automation, you know, and the applications hitting the infrastructure. It's a whole new world. It is. All right. And that's a good good place to dive into DevNet. Um, so we know you started it in 2014. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about how you came to start it and uh, what you think of it? You know, what, what has it become in 2020? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was it was really interesting when when we started DevNet, you know, back in 2014. So the thing is that, you know, from a technology view, the whole thing was seeing that, you know, this network is going to change. It is going to be programmable. And looking at all of our users, you know, the users are, you know, amazing CCIEs, like everyone out there, they're going to need to learn a new skill in order to be able to make the most of the technology that's coming. Uh, and so, you know, what we knew is there is, of course, the technical technology problem of like, how do we create the products? You know, what are they and everything there? But there would also be a user problem, an opportunity in terms of how do we play in it? How do people use it? So we had the crazy idea that uh, we should start a developer program for Cisco and that it wouldn't. We actually had little rem- we had little pieces of developer programs. We had Jabber. And we had a great team that was working on Jabber APIs. We had uh, Cisco Wireless, CMX, and the you know Cisco Mobile, the uh, mobile experience. And they were working on doing hackathons with CMX. Uh, and so we had little heroics, uh, but we didn't have a holistic Cisco developer program. Um, and you could almost say we didn't need it then because we didn't have enough APIs, right? <laughs> you know, so right, it may, yeah. perhaps it was too early for it. Um, <laughs> But we knew it was coming, right? So, right. Uh, so, so we just were like, okay, you know, Cisco is going to need a developer program. We don't know if Cisco's ready, but we're going to give it a try. So I put together a pitch, and I just started kind of pitching it around, you know, anywhere that I could. I gave probably hundreds of talks, literally, to be like, wow. hey, here's what we need to do, and I have the deck, like, you know, here's a developer <laughs> program. Here's this. Here's what we need, you know. Uh, and then finally, I kind of got it up high enough, and then uh, I got it to Kirk Lockheed. And uh, I don't know if you guys know Kirk. You should know Kirk. Bring him on if you haven't interviewed him yet for the SEs. So he is one of we Cisco's. We definitely haven't. <laughs> he's one of Cisco's first six employees, 
and oh, wow. he and he is uh, uh, emeritus, but he's a Cisco fellow emeritus. But talk to him; he's a gold mine. I can join you if you want to interview him. Um, but uh, you know, I got it to him, and then he was just like, "Our CEO John needs to see this." So it was John Chambers at the time. So he got me onto the ELT agenda and then we presented it. So we kind of presented up the proposal and just saying, hey, Cisco needs a developer program. Cisco is, you know, building a portfolio. Cisco is building APIs, but you need a developer program. And we finally got the yes. So uh, so we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, we got the yes. It was there's actually a pretty funny story which is uh, I presented multiple times, right? So it was like, uh-huh. present one, go back, get some more information, come back, present again to John and the ELT. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was one time when he was like, you know, I had a bunch of slides, so I was presenting. And then he was like, yes, we need to do this. And everybody's like, yes, we need to do it. And I was like, cool. And then I went and I finished my slides, you know, cause I didn't finish my slides yet. And then he was right. like, um, Susie, once you get your answer, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> the best coaching I ever got, <laughs> but phenomenal That's coaching. That's great. You know, so, so he was there. And then what happened was then we had our first, uh, well, okay. Well, and then after that, no, I just want to add in, is that, uh, you know, at some point, uh, you know, uh, a year or so later, then Chuck Robbins took the reign as CEO. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so fortunately, Chuck was also extremely supportive, very, very supportive. And so he continued to be supportive in kind of helping us, uh, you know, continue to push DevNet. And it's because he saw that this can help our partners differentiate. Like, this is the skill set that our ecosystem needs. Our products are going that way. You know, he... uh, ran Cisco's partner program really early on. So he kind of built out our partner ecosystem in his earlier days. So he understood what was needed there. So, you know, going back to some of the Cisco live keynotes, Chuck would be up there and he would say, DevNet, DevNet, DevNet. <laughs> and uh, everyone's like, what is he talking about? But we started to have this growing group <laughs> of people yeah. planting <laughs> the seeds. But, you know, he's been so supportive of us, uh, of us continuing it. Um, so anyway, that's, that's awesome. been pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Now back to when we uh, when we got the okay to start DevNet, then uh, then the question is, what next? What do you do after you right. start it? And so uh, what we did was uh, again, just because even if the CEO tells you yes, you then you like walk out the door and you're like, oh great, they said yes. And now then what? you have to figure out what to do, right? That one. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, they said yes. <laughs> so uh, we cobbled together some resources, you know, because that's just the beginning, right? <laughs> um, right. And so we very quietly um, uh, created a website, uh, one website that would host Cisco's APIs uh, that existed. And they were a mess. There were like separate pages everywhere. So we created developer.cisco.com. And we silently launched it. And so <laughs> we just put it out there. Um, and then we were at Cisco Live Europe in January 2014, you know, the end of January is Cisco Live Europe. And then the Cisco Live team, we were talking to them and we said, you know, someday, like in a year and a half from now at Cisco Live San Diego, we would love to have a developer conference at Cisco Live. You know, mm-hmm. we could go, it could be like Dreamforce, you know, like Salesforce or whatever, you know, just have that little floor and area for developers. And the right. Cisco Live team, it was the end of January. They were like, yeah, but why don't you do it this May? <laughs> <laughs> so that was San Francisco in May 2014, and it was the end of January. And we're like, uh, okay. Sure. So why not? You know, so we kind of hesitated for like, you know, 30 seconds and said, yep, okay, we'll do it. And then we had no idea what we were doing, but we went and we just said, you know what, we're just going to act as if we have a developer program. Um you know, even though we just started, we had to name ourselves. We named ourselves DevNet. And so we just planned it. And so we got the second floor of Moscone. And then we had deep dive API sessions, like theater talks. We had a hackathon, a 24-hour hackathon. You know, had some innovations and demos showing. We created learning labs, uh, created a coding 101 uh, class, you know, so as well as deep dive API sessions. So we just hosted it. You know, we just created the DevNet zone. Um, 
we had a crane pulling up a big sign, the DevNet zone. And we're like, oh my gosh, there it is. <laughs> and we didn't know if people were going to come. Like we had no idea. Is anybody going right. to come? And we couldn't get ourselves into the brochures because it was, time was too short and we didn't know how to do it. So we were not in any booklet, you know, and, you know, the people show you where to go, you know, at Cisco Live, uh, where's this DevNet thing? Like no one knew because we weren't in the books, but we did have the second floor of Moscone. Um, but first day we opened up and then there was a guy who was looking at a learning lab. And then I heard him calling his friend. He's like, hey, buddy, you have to get up here to San Francisco. Cisco's doing something different. They're opening up. Mm. because we had this learning lab to teach people about the APIs. You know, the, before right. the story was that you had to know the product manager to learn what the API was, but we just put <laughs> it online and we created learning labs. So, uh, and then by the end of the week, there's a picture that I could give you later, but the floor was packed. It was like floor wow. to floor. It just spread by word of mouth. More people were coming at the end of the week. Uh, John Chambers was on his way out. You know, his schedule is very uh, metered at Cisco live they directed right. him to come in to the DevNet zone because there was all this activity going there. He came in, he came in and the hackathon was going on. So they all ran up to him, John, John, selfie, <laughs> selfie. They all started taking <laughs> selfies with him. Um, but it was like the start, right, of, uh, of a right. new Cisco. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's an awesome story. because it, And it's funny because I've talked to my customers about this a lot. I talked to them about how Cisco is becoming more open, right? We were a lot more kind of to ourselves. We did our own thing, a lot of proprietary stuff. And over the years, that culture kind of shifted, right? We have to play well with others. Uh, there's, you know, it, it, still to this day, you'll go to a customer site or you'll go visit an IT um, you know, team and they'll be like, yeah, we're, we're a Cisco shop or we're a whatever shop, right? But the at, right now, there's still so many vendors in that environment because everything is a lot more complex. The business needs are a lot more complex than they used to be. Gone are the days of the of the firewall and the antivirus, and that's all you needed for security, right? I mean, we have numerous security products because of the fact that we have a lot of things to worry about. We have things like automation, uh, and and we have tons of other tools out there. So being able to have it play nicely with other products within the Cisco portfolio, but also products outside of Cisco's portfolio is important. And I think we've, we've seen that shift, uh, you know, in real time, but it's really cool to see even before that kind of how it was building up to be that. Yeah. So that's definitely how we started. And then now for the other part you're talking is since that early day in that first, you know, six months that we were around fast forward, what we've done is we added tools, like we added learning tools to make it easy for everyone to learn about our APIs. Uh, very core at the beginning was having the DevNet sandbox, uh, a sandbox because if you want to play around with the APIs, not everyone has a router sitting around that they can program, right? So we put right. Kit, uh, you know, Kit in the cloud that people can reserve and just get hands on. Um, you know, with all of our learning labs that we've created, we made it, we connect them into the sandbox so that people are getting hands-on learning as they go. Uh, we created, you know, the Coding 101 class, uh, where our Coding 101 class is different from the one, you can get a million Coding 101 classes, but ours, your first uh, API call is get network devices. So it's relevant, not get Twitter followers, right? So you get your network devices and it's just more relevant and people see how that could mean. Uh, but then creating Postman collections for our APIs, right? So, you know, you want to know how to use the Meraki APIs, you want to use, you know, WebEx, you want to use, you just have a Postman collection so you can use the developer tools. Um, now right. having code out on GitHub that we have on DevNet Code Exchange, DevNet Automation Exchange, which is a curation of code that's on GitHub that uh, we know works well with our APIs, but you can create visualization tools, you know, using the TIG stack or the ELK stack for visualization, but on top of our stuff, you know, so we have sets of code that people can use, you know, and all of this is because our products now have APIs. We've been working on building out developer resources um, and we're taking a community first view, like the best thing, you know, it was so critical to our success is the SEs is that we teamed up with, uh, I know that you had Michael Coons on here and mm -hmm. he's he was a partner in crime. So when I was uh, proposing <laughs> having a developer uh, program for Cisco, uh, I was working with him, you know, we were presenting to our different partners at our partner technical advisory boards uh, and they were giving us feedback that we needed it. Um, but then he got the SEs to start training on it and we created a DevNet Tiger team amongst the SEs and they started training the trainer and then training others. 
And, uh, you know, I only had less than a dozen developer advocates or developer evangelists, but we have 6,000 SEs and we got, you know, two to 300 people on the DevNet Tiger team. You know, it were the best way was to have, you know, our amazing SEs who know our technology to be the ones who are the advocates. So it was right. really key in terms of how we, we teamed up and how, you know, our SEs embrace this uh, to go forward. Yeah, and, and Brian and I were talking about this, and I, I was, we were, you know, prepping for this, and just talking about how the fact that, you know, myself personally, I'm not a big programmer. I've always kind of steered away from development, right? I, I've anything that said those three letters, DEV, I was like, eh, I'll, I'll stay over, over in this lane, because it's not something that I really thought I would enjoy. But as I was telling you on our prep call, Susie. Um, the um, I, I went to the developers.cisco.com, was poking around in there. I came across this thing about the deck of cards API. I download Postman. I'm like, all right, let me let me check this out. And I'm using it. I'm like, you know, I can I can see how this works now. I can I can you know shuffle a deck of cards. I can shuffle six deck of cards. I can put in a couple extra cards. Here's here's what cards show up. And I'm like, I can see how I could put some sort of GUI on top of this. And it just it, the ideas started kind of flowing. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I have to admit. It's not as maybe difficult as I expected. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the whole point of the APIs, right? Is it's it's meant to be that bridge between what you want to do and what the system can do without uh, even though that the developer never really put in that piece of GUI there, right? It's it's about being able to kind of create your own little feature that maybe the developers didn't think of or didn't have budget to build into or something along those lines yeah. to make it your own. Absolutely. And, and, you know, so, so a couple things there. So for that is, yeah, there's a set of products that we have, but then our customers need solutions to like mm -hmm. business solutions or just to get dashboards or to automate their workflows that needs code on top of it. Right. So it right. like our, our products aren't made to do all of that all the way to the top. So that's where, you know, developers can jump in. And then back to your point about you're saying like, I'm not a developer. Those are those developers over there is I, you know, for, for DevNet. So I always feel like we're the, we're the little guys. Cause you know, we're kind of, you know, growing this, this little thing as we've grown it. And, um, and then at some point, you know, as the DevNet zone was, you know, so the DevNet zone continued to be very successful at Cisco live. Now we have one at every one and it's really hopping, you know, we started growing a community, but I heard at some point along the way where people are like, Oh, that DevNet zone, it's for those developers over there. <laughs> and suddenly networkers were feeling like it's for those developers. It's not for me. Right. And so then we created a start now zone because we're like, no, it is for you. Like we've mm -hmm. developed this for you. And, uh, you know, I know that you chose to go into networking, but you are like, our networkers are so technical, you know, like our whole, like anyone who has a CCNA, a CCNP or a CCIE, you know, who's invested and learned this technology, they've done something way, way, way harder. Like, cause that is really, really hard technical stuff. And, you know, just being up there, I'm going to build this mission critical thing. You know, if it ever goes down, I am going to get it back up there. Like, it's amazing, right? Our people are amazing because they not only embrace the technology, spend a lot of time studying, learning it, mastering it, will debug it, will keep it operating, you know, are doing anything to make their customer successful. We have the drive, you know, like this community has the drive. Now, picking up software is easy compared to any of that. It seems <laughs> scary, but it's easy because a, a DevNet associate, so we have our new DevNet certifications, and now people are getting their DevNet associate. A DevNet associate is a CCNA. It's the Cisco mm -hmm. Certified Network Associate. That's the level. It's an associate level. Um, and you get in there and there's a level of software. I believe that every networker should be getting a, CC, a DevNet associate, not because you have to be a coder. You know, I'm actually not saying you don't need to pound out hundreds of lines of code a day, right? It's not that kind of a thing. But to fully leverage the network, the security, right? The orchestration, the automation, the, like everything that we're building into it, you better know what those APIs are. And you better know what some of those tools are. And it's easy because you can go through and you can look at an API. You probably know what an API is, but you might not know what a REST API is. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, you probably understand that it's important to look at your source code and like have a way to put that together. Well, there's tools, you know, like GitHub that help you do it. Um, right. And you want to call a bunch of APIs, there's a little tool called Postman. And by the way, there's little tutorials for all of these. And we have a lot of them on DevNet. And just by knowing it, it doesn't mean you have to change and be a coder, but now you can fully be an architect. You can fully direct a coder who can, you know, pound out code faster than you. But now you fully understand the capabilities of the product. And now you know how to solve customer problems because you understand enough about the APIs. And uh, what did you think, Brian? Was it hard to learn? Was it easy to learn? (laughs) It it was not that difficult. It was it was actually quite fun. It was it was easy to do. I mean, especially when you're following the tutorials. Um, and as you said, when you have that background, it's it makes it easier to pick up on it. I mean, just listening to your to your pitch here. If this is the pitch you delivered to to John Chambers and the rest of the team, no wonder they said yes. Let's do it. We need it because I mean, <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm sold. Yeah, let's let's do it. We all need to get our uh, DevNet associates. Um, and and I let mean, me ask you, yeah, so after you did it, after, yeah, sorry, I'm going to interview you now, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> after you did it, how did you feel? I felt a bit accomplished. Yeah. Definitely accomplished. It was, it was cool to see kind of something come up to it. And I've, I've done some API labs with, uh, with Meraki. Um, and they have, they have the Meraki stuff, um, for learning how to bring up, bring up, uh, multiple sites, uh, I know there was one customer that using the APIs uh, because they had to um, they had to deploy the this hardware to like ten thousand locations, and rather than sit there and create each network by hand and have to figure out what serial number was going to what location, what they would do is and again this was all API based, they would scan the barcode of the serial number of the device that would go in create a network, uh, spit out a, a shipping label, and apply the template to that network. So all they had to do is take that shipping label, put it on the box. Someone would go plug it in and poof, they were online done. You have 10,000 stores that you need something like that. And that's where the automation, that's where the API, that's where the development of that, that capability to do that is so important. It was really cool to see that. See, that's awesome. And you can see why that would not be a product, but it's a capability that you would just build because you're customizing it into that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and how did you feel about being before the guy of like, that's for those devs, I'm avoiding anything with a DEV in it. And now that you've learned it, like, you know, I don't know, you feel empowered? You I, I want like, yeah. I want to dive into it more. And as you mentioned, yeah. when we were talking on our, our prep call, um, I think it's definitely important for the people on the networking side to, you know, get their chops a little bit in the, in the programming and development side too, right? There's, there's definitely some respect that's earned there right it's like okay i i understand where you're going where you're where what you're dealing with and stuff like that i can understand if it takes you a little longer to debug this this piece of code here but if only the developers would go on the networking side the people that you know pound out the 100 lines of code a day and would come over to the networking side a little bit and kind of see what we have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be absolutely. nice. <laughs> and that's why it's a good combination. And, you know, and that's what we're saying is that um, the IT team of the future, the technology team of the future, it it's a combination. It's not mm-hmm. that you're a CCIE, you have to become, you know, eventually a DevNet expert. No, if you can be a CCIE with a DevNet associate and you can work with that developer who maybe knows just enough to maybe be at a CCNA level, then you have a common vocabulary where you can talk to each other and you can get to a whole nother level. Like uh, we actually have seen customers where they've uh, the networkers have gone about, picked up some DevNet, started to understand APIs, look at everything there. And then that made them bridge to the data center teams into the application teams and then to their business guys, because they ended up with a common language on how to speak to the apps and the DevOps guys. Um, just by learning. So it's not that you need to completely change what you do, but once you learn that aspect of the APIs, you just know what the tools can do. You are, we found that our developers, you know, our networkers who are developers, um, they uh, can speak a different language and they're more confident. You know, you're more confident on what you can talk to. You don't have to say that's for those dev guys, right? You can just kind of like embrace the whole thing and you have just more power under your belt. Yeah. So let's say you have a, a network engineer who wants to get started with this stuff. Not that I don't trust Brian Young's jumping off point, but um, <laughs> where would you <laughs> where would you recommend they get started as just yeah. you know, no experience, 
wants to get into it, but uh, has no idea where to start. Absolutely. So uh, one thing that I want to say is that uh, one thing that I pride, you know, the biggest compliment um, that I've received in hearing about the DevNet community is when people have told me it's very welcoming and it's very inclusive. Mm -hmm. So I just want people to know that if you're a networker and you're afraid to touch software and developers, it's not like, you know, you go to a DevNet event, you work with a DevNet community, you're not going to get that snootiness, like, oh, they don't even know that. So that is not the feeling of our community at all. It's a very welcoming community. And uh, and I say that it's not just my team. The community is like that and they welcome each other because there are a lot of people who are networkers who then picked up software. They went through that or they're going through that now and they help each other. So come on in. And, uh, and, and, and please use the community and interact with the community because you don't have to go it alone. The main thing is that we do it together. You do it with your customer. You do it with other people. You do it with each other, right? So is that we do it together. So the place to go is to go to, um, you can first of all go to developer.cisco.com slash start now. So we actually created a place called Start Now that has these little learning labs that you can go through. And Brian, that might be where you got to them. And they just have this drop down and these little learning labs. And then they'll get you to start here to learn coding 101, learn about Git, learn about these areas. Just get in to learn about what are some of the security APIs? What are some of the networking APIs? What do they do? So, you know, all of that there is free. Uh, The uh, other thing is that we have now DevNet certifications. Um, mm-hmm. And we created them. They were launched on February 24th. Uh, you know, we teamed up and now the team, I have this team as well, the Cisco Learning uh, and Certification Team. And so the Cisco DevNet certification is, you know, CCNA, CCNP, CCIE, DevNet Associate, DevNet Professional. So it's uh, it, these are Cisco certifications. Go and get that DevNet Associate. So you can go to developer.cisco.com slash certification. Uh, And there you can actually like go ahead and get that certification because you're not only learning, but you might as well get that badge that says you are DevNet certified while you're doing that learning. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a big thing. So we launched it. There's now uh, we announced that we would have the DevNet 500 for the first 500 people to get DevNet certified. They launched February 24th. 16 days later, we had 500 people in the world who earned a DevNet certification. Um, Now we have 2,300. We have our SEs who've uh, come along and earned their certifications. Uh, Over in in Cisco's customer experience group, uh, we have uh, people who are skilling up now. Our CX centers team in APJC, so Dev Milati's team under Ruba, they just got 500 people DevNet certified. <laughs> wow. So you imagine what, um, you know, we're going to be able to deliver to our customers is a big deal. And now we have also a DevNet partner specialization. So our Cisco partners can become DevNet specialized. And we just announced this last week at Cisco Live, uh, just made it uh, live. We now have four partners who are DevNet specialized partners. So uh, Meridot, Presidio, Worldwide Technologies, and NetCloud. And what this means is they have some number of Cisco certified, of DevNet certified, you know, professionals within their workforce. They have a software offer, a DevNet type, like an automation offer or a software offer of some sort, and they've proven it and they have a customer win, you know, around that offer. And then they've done a test where they've worked on code in our sandbox so that we've kind of confirmed their capability. Um, But what this says is these partners are able to deliver a new network kind of solution, right? They have the capabilities where they're using software. They have people who have the skill set. And so, um, you know, so, you know, not only can individuals skill up, but if you work at a partner, then they can skill up, right? And get business credit by being recognized as a, as a DevNet partner, as a DevNet specialized partner. Um, so it's, uh, it's, you know, pretty exciting what you can do now. Uh, another way to get started is, uh, we have study groups. So if you do want to do it, we have DevNet study, uh, we have both CCNA study groups. So you can go through and earn your CCNA with a group of folks. We have DevNet mm-hmm. study groups, so you can sign up to then, you know, be part of a, a DevNet study group. 
Um, the other thing that we're offering uh, for our customers is automation boot camps. So where, you know, if a customer has a group of people that they want to go through, they want to learn about automation, they want to get some people together and kind of do it, well, we have a, a new offering of an automation boot camp that people can use as well. Nice. Sounds like there's a lot of resources out there. We'll make sure we put the links to those, uh, the things you mentioned in the show notes for anyone that wants to check those out. Um, but Susie, this is this has been great. And uh, I know we're kind of running a little bit uh, short on time, but I want to open it up to anything that uh, maybe you want to to say as we as we close out uh, any last minute uh, comments or thoughts uh, before we wrap this one up. Yeah, I guess the main thing that I want to say is first, I want to thank all the SEs out there. Um, so, you know, everything that you've done kind of in your life, in your journey, like what I love about our SEs is everybody is self-made. You know, you have put in blood, sweat, tears. Like the biggest thing that you can give is to me, the biggest thing a person can give is their mind, <laughs> mm. their time and their heart. And so the fact uh, that you guys have built up your expertise in your areas that you've built on Cisco technologies that you've, you know, promoted out and helped customers and partners and others, you know, use and be successful with Cisco technologies. It's highly technical. You guys, you know, everyone has a life journey. You've come from somewhere and you've achieved what you have. And I know it hasn't been easy for anybody. So thank you for all of that. And we have a new chapter ahead for us. So think back to the CCIEs the very first CCIEs from 1993. Mm. The first year the CCI program was born was 1993. And what happened? The people who jumped in there, think about the internet back then and the network back then. Mm. It was pretty early, right? And then we created this workforce of people who got their CCIEs, which meant that they were certified professionals who could build out a network and design it, build it, operate it. And they changed the world. Like all of the world mm. is on, has their business on the internet today. That was not true in 1993. Right. We are at the same place with the DevNet certifications. This is the first year these DevNet certifications are there. Um, you can earn your DevNet certification. I invite you to become part of the DevNet class of 2020. You know, you think back to a 1993 CCIE, and you're like, that person is a legend. Okay. <laughs> the same thing. I know it, it's hard to feel it when you're at the time. You can look back. I think the people back then, I don't think they were thinking they were going to be legends, but we know now they are. <laughs> right. We have right, that right. same opportunity right here because the network is a new network. And, I, and when I say network, I mean network, I mean security, I mean data center, I mean IoT, right. I mean collaboration, I mean all of it. Like it's that whole infrastructure. This is all programmable. We are actually at an inflection point in the industry. And those of you who already have the deep expertise that you have and you couple it with a DevNet associate, you just are creating a complete change in the industry. So don't be afraid. Go out, get it, try it. I'm not saying you have to be a coder, but do right. it so that you're empowered and you feel fully confident in your career. So just go out and get it. Um, work with the community give me feedback, give my team feedback, tell us how we can make the program better. Tell us how we can help you be more successful in your careers. Um, like that's how we've gotten DevNet to where it is today, but please just join the community and, uh, and let us know everything that you can and just thank you. Go out and be a rock star. I like Absolutely. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again so much for joining us, Susie. It's been a great pleasure. And, uh, We'll uh, hopefully have you on again soon. Thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you, Brian and Brian, for everything that you do. It's an amazing resource for our audience. Thank you. All right, Mr. Boyd. I know we, uh, we talked it up a little bit, but what did you think about that one? Yeah, really good one. Uh, just a lot of fun doing this, this specific episode. Um, she is a, an incredibly nice person. Hearing her story is awesome. And I think it's also going to be a relevant topic for everyone just because, you know, for the last six years, like she was mentioning, this is kind of the way networks are, are heading where right. we're, we're getting more into automation and orchestration and things like that. Yeah, we, we didn't get a chance to talk too much about the uh, automation orchestration pieces of it, but I think all that the, the foundation is all there. 
Um, but I mean, I was just blown away with, with her professional history coming up. And I mean, it's, you know, she mentioned that it was very challenging going through MIT, but I mean, she definitely took that. I mean, 10 years at school, that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. (laughs) Yeah. Get that PhD at the end though. So yeah, pretty cool. No, that was, that was great. And I loved her insight into how DevNet got started with all the, the meetings that she had. And, uh, she mentioned meeting with Mike Coons too, being a, a valuable, a component of that, of that, uh, team and, you know, pitching it to, to John Chambers and, uh, just getting it, getting it going. I mean, I think that's, uh, that's incredible. Kind of reminds me of, uh, of our little endeavor here, Mr. Boyd of, uh, you know, <laughs> talking to our boss. Hey, uh, you think we can do a podcast? What do you, what do you think? Yeah. On a, on a slightly smaller scale. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it'll be up to, uh, to DevNet, uh, size, but, um, no, it was just really cool getting that insight there. Um, and I know we talked about the CX success piece of her role. Uh, I invite you to go back and check out episode 20, where we talk about CX and what that really means. Uh, but I think, you know, we really kind of give a good summary here uh, in terms of just being able to uh, uh, empower and enable our users to uh, adopt the technology that they're buying from us rather than it just becoming shelfware. Because yeah. uh, I know, especially before I started, that was that was a big thing. You'd get customers that would buy it, and it would just sit there, mm-hmm. and and that's that doesn't help anybody. Um, and I loved at the end when we asked her for any final thoughts. The first thing she she did was thank all the SEs. I mean, it just it just shows you the kind of person she is. Uh, thanking all of her of the SEs and encouraging everyone to go out and be part of the DevNet class of 2020. And I mean. I really was never considering doing it uh, and going out there, but I think now, well, especially now that I've had her on the show, I think I kind of have to, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got a year, if, so take advantage of it. Yeah, I think uh, I think we I think we both have to. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm holding you to this too, Brian. You're, you're going to come down with me. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, um, Brian. Any final thoughts? Uh, anything you'd like to add? No, I'm all set. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to ConfT with your SE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at ConfT.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating and review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can get notified when we publish a new episode. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at ConfT.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.